the Spirit. Where it's not just for the prophet any longer. Not just these rare occasions of being filled with the Spirit. In fact, a passage that was mentioned earlier, that was also from um, uh, Peter's sermon that we're going to talk about next week. He was quoting from Joel. Joel 2, 28 and 29 says, And it shall come to pass, so this is a, a prophecy from a prophet, right? He filled with the Spirit, he prophesies this. He says, And it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my Spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, your old men shall dream dreams, and your young men shall see visions. Even on the male and female servants in those days I will pour out my Spirit. In other words, this is not something that's for the select few, but now it's going to be for all. For all. For all of you. For me. This access to the Spirit of God. Isaiah talks about that coming. Ezekiel talks about that coming. Zechariah, they all talk about a future pouring out of the Spirit. And now Christ has told them, not many days from now, it's going to happen. My Spirit will be poured out on you. So I'm looking forward to what we're going to talk about today in Acts chapter 2, but I'm also a little bit uh, hesitant, nervous, you might say. Because what we're going to talk about today is probably, I would say, next to Jesus dying and then coming back to life, next to God being born as a baby, God in the flesh, next to those events, this has got to be one of the most monumental events in history. This event that we're going to read about today, not only would I say it's monumental in the sense that it's just a huge event, but I think that... Next to those events and along with those events, this is probably one of the most history-altering events that has ever happened, where people are given the Spirit of God, and they're going to give utterance, they're going to speak what God would have them to speak. So I'm going to read through Acts chapter 2, I'm going to pray, then I'm going to read through Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 13, I'm going to give a little bit of commentary as I read, some little points of, uh, of learning to go through, and then when I'm done with that, I'm going to give a few points, a few lessons that I think we can pull from this. So let me pray. Heavenly Father, God, as uh, we begin this morning and we look at your word and we look at Acts chapter 2 and this historical event of uh, these disciples who are waiting for this promise of the Spirit, and when the Spirit does come, Lord God, I believe that there is much that we can learn from this, and I, I, I just ask that you would guide us into truth. And Lord, I do pray that you would fill me and fill those in this room with your spirit. Lord, we need it desperately, and I just ask that you would fill us up. In your name I pray, amen. Acts chapter 2, starting off with verse 1, I've got the scriptures up here. If you want to look up here, you can follow along in your Bibles. The disciples have been waiting patiently, and it says in verse 1, when the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. Now, Pentecost is a is the name of a feast. It's called the Feast of Weeks, is what they would have called it. It was 50 days after Passover. Now, what, what were the disciples doing on Passover? Right? Communion, Lord's Supper, right? That Christ was crucified during the Passover time. This is called Pentecost because, in fact, we can think about the word Pentecost, P-E-N-T, like Pentagon, five-sided, right? Pentecost, that's what it's, it's sometimes called, the 50th. It's a week of weeks. That's kind of weird to say, isn't it? 
a week of weeks. So seven weeks would be 49 days, and so this is the 50th day. So they celebrated this, this event. All Jews that were within a certain age or a certain range around Jerusalem were required to uh, come to Jerusalem for the Feast of Weeks. This is one of a few feasts that they were required to come. Pentecost was also attached to like an anniversary of the giving of the law. Now think about that for a second. The Israelites were in Egypt. You guys know that? Did you guys know that? You guys did, I think. Israelites were in Egypt. The, the Passover that's celebrated is referencing when the angel Lord passed over the Israelites. The firstborn of the Egyptians died, but the Israelites had to take blood, right, and put it around their doorposts. And the angel Lord passed over, so that's why it's called the Passover. And so they're, they're celebrating that. And so they, they considered Pentecost almost like an anniversary of the giving of the law, right? Because the Israelites, after they left Egypt, it wasn't that much, long, uh, that much longer after that that they're around Mount Sinai. And what's God doing? Giving the law. And so this, this feast, this, this celebration was very much attached in their mind to when God gave them the law. In fact, uh, there's a Jewish philosopher who lived in Alexandria. His name is Philo. And this was written before Luke was written. This guy lived about the same time as Luke, but this, this was actually written before that. Um, Philo, this Jewish philosopher, he wrote, he says, Then from the midst of the fire that streamed from heaven, there sounded forth to their utter amazement a voice. Now he's talking about the giving of the law in connection to Pentecost. This is, this is how Jewish people living at this time, this is how they pictured the giving of the law. From the midst of the fire, right? So there's fire. Um, the, the stream from heaven that there sounded forth to their utter amazement a voice for the, for the flame became the articulate speech and the language familiar to the audience. So the, the, the Jewish people that were in Jerusalem, when they think about Pentecost, these are the kind of events they're thinking about. They're, they're, just like when we think about uh, the 4th of July and we think back to what happened and we think about uh, you know, Independence Day and we kind of maybe we think about those certain things. This is the kind of stuff that these men and women would have been thinking about. Pentecost. Celebration of the God giving the law. They pictured the giving of the law as Moses was up on the mountain, surrounded, the Bible says, surrounded with smoke and flames, right? That's what it looked like to them. And God speaks the law to Moses. He gives the law to Moses. And there, there's even traditions that aren't necessarily accurate, but there's traditions where the Jews believed that when God gave the law, he gave it, in, in their words, in the 70 languages of the nations. Just meaning he gave the law, not just to them, but to all Nations. Now, if we go back to this, so here they are. Pentecost is a, has arrived. They're celebrating this. The, the city would have been full of all sorts of visitors coming from that region. I think it was about 50 miles around that that you were required to come in. So the city would have been full. And it says they, referring to the 120 disciples, right? Not just the 12. They were all in one house. And... Uh, uh, I wish you guys could have been here this morning because in the video today we had, uh, they, they showed some videos of, of houses from that time period, what they would have looked like. Super interesting. I don't have a full video, but I do have a picture here. Um, notice that a, a, Jew, a typical Jewish house, notice uh, this, is, this is from the upper city of Jerusalem. So this is quite possibly the type of house that they would have been in. Notice there's inside, there's a big courtyard right here. And so it's quite possible that these guys would have been inside this courtyard um, all gathered together. So picture, just try to think of this, right? Maybe not necessarily in a closing room, but they're in the courtyard. Maybe some of them are in the side rooms, but they're in there and they're praying. They're, they're looking forward to God's promise to be given to them of the Spirit. 
And then we get to verse 2. And suddenly, are you picturing it in your head, trying to picture it in your head? 120 people gathered together in this house. Suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind. And Luke is using analogy here. He's like a wind. I can almost imagine Luke as he's doing his research study to write this part. Because Luke would not have been around for this. I can almost imagine Luke as he's talking to the different people. And they would have just, this, so he's saying, they're not saying it was a mighty rushing wind. He said that was what it was like. So can you imagine the people telling Luke about this later? And Luke's going, so what was it like? You know, I don't know. They would have had a notepad, but what was it like? And some of the witnesses that Luke talked to, maybe they said, oh man, it was, it was like a, a, a wind, a mighty wind just rushed through the house. Was it an actual wind? I don't know, but that's what it was like. A rushing wind. And this word for wind is very similar to the word for spirit. So there they are. Rushing wind. It's like this. Like a mighty rushing wind. And it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And then it says, And divided tongues of fire, tongues as of fire, appeared to them and rested each, uh, rested on each one of them. Now for these people, this would have been a very familiar reality. Once again, it didn't say there's actually fire on their heads, right? So that's what it looked like. like. Flames, fire. For the Jews, this would have been very, very familiar. The Old Testament is full of times where when God presented himself, he presented himself and they described it as like fire. Think of Moses in front of the burning bush, right? It's like flames that are burning him, but it's not burning the Bible talks about a pillar, a fire leading the Israelites at night. You talk about times where the temple, where it looked like flames of this, this fire. In fact, they had a name for it that they, they finally gave it. They called it, the Jewish people called it the Shekinah glory. This radiance, it's, it's like flames, it's burning, bright. I imagine it wavered the way flames, so that's why they described it that way. And so they're very used to this. When God shows up and God speaks, so often God would speak out of this flame, the Shekinah glory. And so what do we have, these disciples here? There's this rushing wind, and then it's almost like flames, instead of being up on a mountain, or instead of being on the burning bush, or instead of the times where the Bible talked about the flame rolling into the temple when the temple was dedicated and resting above the Ark of the Covenant, instead of those flames being there, where are the flames at now? On each one of them. Significant. God's spirit, not just over here, but now here. God's spirit, not just in the temple, but, but here. With these individuals. These disciples. For them, this would have been hugely meaningful. Not just like, wow, looks like flames. But this is significant. God. Now with each of us. And what happens after this is they are presented with this. It says, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues, other languages, as the Spirit gave them utterance. So here you have these disciples. Now, now, now what was their picture of what the, the giving of the law looked like, that they're celebrating the anniversary of the giving of the law? What, what did that look like? They described it, right? Philo described it. It's like, Flames and fire, and out of the fire comes a voice, and a voice that everybody seems to understand. 
So here you have the disciples. What happens? They're filled with the Spirit. What happens? What do they begin to do? Speak instead of the voice coming from the burning bush, instead of the voice coming from the glory, instead of the voice coming from these other places. Now what's happening? The disciples themselves are speaking. Like the prophets of old who were filled with the Spirit and spoke. This word filled through the rest of the book of Acts, instead of using the word filled, the rest of the book of Acts often uses on this initial receiving of the Spirit, uses the word baptized. They were baptized into the Spirit. And that's exactly what John had promised way back. John the Baptist said, I'm baptizing with water, but, but there's one coming after me who will baptize with, the, with, with fire and with the Spirit. And so you can imagine them realizing these things are coming true. And then they speak. Speaking in other tongues, this is important. The language that's used here, notice it says this. It says, they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak. Okay? Now, hold on to that word right there. Speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. The word that's used here for tongue is the word glossa, which is where we get the word glossary. Right? This word tongues could also be translated, and it is often translated in the New Testament as languages. There's another Greek word for language that's used. It's, called, it's where we get the word dialect. And we're going to see that one used here in a moment. Now let's go back here to this story. It says, now they were dwelling in Jerusalem. Uh, now there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews. Every nation, devout men from every nation under heaven. Now this is important as well. The, the people that are in Jerusalem, the focus is on the fact that they were Jewish people. Now there's a ton of historical evidence that says that Jews, many times if they were living in, in modern day Turkey or they were living down in Alexandria in Egypt, wherever they were living, quite often Jews would, would as they got close to death, would migrate back to Jerusalem. And so there's tons of evidence to show that there were people from all over the Middle Eastern world, all over the Roman Empire that were coming back to Jerusalem. That's where they're going to spend their final days. And so here you have, plus these people dwelling there. That's what this is talking about, those Jews dwelling there. But they were Jews that were from all over the place that had come back to Jerusalem. And they're hearing this message. Devout, devout men from every nation under heaven. This is very much about fulfilling the mission. What was the mission? Be witnesses to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the uttermost parts of the earth. It's starting. I imagine those disciples felt that way. This is where it begins. The Spirit's come. Now we're talking and we're, we're, we're telling people. At the sound, this is where it gets really interesting. At the sound, the multitude came together and they were bewildered because each one was hearing them speak in his own language. And so here you have these people. Now th this was an unnecessary aspect. Everybody there would have either spoken Aramaic or Greek. So why? Why this? Why every language? And so here you have, let's say, for example, you've got this, this Jew, maybe he's from uh, modern-day Egypt, and he's up here, and we're going to get a bunch of examples here. He, he's up here, and he's, he's hearing, wait a minute, this is the language that I knew growing up. It's very significant that it says, each one was hearing them speak. So it's not that the disciples, sometimes I, when I've, I've, I've looked at this, I thought the disciples were speaking, they thought they were just talking their own language, and everybody heard it in their own no, what was most likely happening is this. So I, I, this is important to picture this. Peter, for example, maybe he's speaking. And suddenly he realizes he's speaking Egyptian. And these Egyptian guys here are going, uh, wait, that's Egyptian. I know that. 
right? This, over here, speaking Latin, speaking this, speaking this, all these different various languages that they heard growing up. And so, so here, and then maybe Peter, then he switches over, he's talking this, and he's speaking, and, and they're going, whoa, wait, that's my language. They must have been close to the temple, most people believe. Maybe as they began to be filled with the Spirit, they began to pour out of that courtyard into the streets. And we were watching that video today, the streets were really narrow. They weren't big, wide streets, but maybe they began to pour out. And even maybe while they were in the courtyard, people could hear them over the side. And, and maybe they came out, and then they're, they're talking, they're sharing, they're praising God. And all these people are hearing praises of God in their native-born language instead of in Aramaic or Greek. And they were amazed. You'd be too, wouldn't you? And I love one of the reasons why they're amazed. They were amazed and astonished, saying, are not all these who are speaking Galileans? That's a bit of a stereotype. Maybe they were offended by it. No, I don't think that they were offended by this. They knew this. Galileans didn't have the best reputation as being the the brightest ones, necessarily. The Galileans weren't thought of as the ones that would be able to speak in all these other languages of all these different places. And there must have been some way that they knew that these men were Galileans. Maybe they knew them because they knew they were Jesus' disciples. They, they knew they were from Galilee. Maybe they had a certain aspect, maybe a twang, in how they talked. No offense to Southerners, I lived down there for a while. Maybe we could have translated this a, a little bit differently and said, you can imagine us all, all of you guys speaking, and, and maybe somebody going, man, how do they know that language? Aren't these Danvillians? <laughs> you know, the Danville people, how do they know a different language? They can't even speak English. Um, so, so here you have, I mean, but this is what's happening. This is one of the reasons why they're, they're confused, because they're, not, they're, they're seeing these people speaking, and that's what it says. It says, speaking in these other languages. And they're saying, how did these guys know how to speak that? They're just fishermen. They're just this. They're from Galilee, of all places. And that's one of the reasons why they're astonished. And then he says, how is it that we hear each one of us in his own native language? We're hearing these guys speak, and we're hearing our own native language. And then they go into detail here. Parthians are hearing Parthian. I don't know what the languages are. The Medes are hearing Medish. Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, uh, Galatia, uh, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, and the parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene, and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabians. We hear them telling in our own tongues the mighty works of God. Consider all those places mentioned. All over the known world at that time, from all over the place. Isn't that what the mission was? Be witnesses, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, all over the place. And it's starting right here. That can happen right here, right away. It goes on to say, all were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, What does this mean? What does this mean? Now, I mentioned earlier that Peter, in this next passage we're going to look at, and this will be next week, Peter preaches a sermon. And next week, that's what we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about next week the very first, if you want to call it the very first Christian sermon, is recorded in the book of Acts. 
Peter's going to preach it. So right after all these events, we're going to see in Acts chapter 2, right after this, Peter stands up amongst everybody else and he begins to preach. And, and so we're going, to get, we're going to study. Next week, we're going to study the very first Christian sermon. And in that sermon, Peter quotes from Joel, that passage I mentioned earlier. He explains the answer to this. What does this mean? So I can imagine the people around are asking Peter, what does this mean? And he tells them, this is fulfillment of prophecy. God said he would pour out his spirit. You're seeing it right now. And here you have these Galileans, these, these nobodies, these you know, knuckleheads, and they're up there, they're, they're speaking this truth. It's fulfillment of prophecy. Now, others, and if you can imagine a bunch of people all speaking in different languages, you can imagine that some of them, you know, the Egyptian guy who's listening to the part, this disciple here is speaking Parthian, it would have been like, I don't know what this guy's saying, and maybe I can understand this guy, but there, there were some that just tried to explain it. I've got to explain this somehow. Right? Something reasonable. How can we explain what's happening here? A bunch of Galileans speaking their language? That can't be. They must be drunk. Right? New wine meaning sweet wine, implying that they could have had a lot more of it. They must, they must be drunk. That's what it's got to be. Now, this is the story of the initial pouring out of God's Spirit on God's people. I, I think there's a few lessons that we can learn from this, and I want to talk about three things specifically. The first one is this. This one I've mentioned before, but it needs mentioning again. The message, the witness, right? The message, the gospel, the good news. Jesus Christ, Messiah, came to the earth, died on the cross, rose again, offers salvation to everyone. This message is for everyone. This is really important because I think that sometimes we go, yeah, yeah, that's right, this message is for everyone. But how often do we really take that out and apply it when we're in Danville? Is the good news really for everyone in your mind? No matter how they look, how they speak, what they do, how old they are, how young they are. When you're driving around town, do you look at people and just go, oh man. Or do you go, message is for them. It's for them too, just as much as it's for me, it's for them. Message is for everyone. Nobody is excluded. I think that that is because, because all of these people would have spoken Greek or Aramaic. So I think that the reason why that this message was given in such a way is to say, reiterate again and again. Even though he told them, go everywhere. He's reiterating again and again with these disciples. This is for everybody. No matter what their background, no matter where they were born, this message is for Secondly, the message, that's what the mission is about. This mission that we have to go share the gospel, it's about the message, right? We're going, what are we going to do? To share the gospel, to tell the gospel, to tell people the truth about who Jesus Christ is. That's our mission. People need to know this. There are people who don't know this. There are people that have the message confused. There are people in our town that, that are bewildered by this message and they, they think it means something completely different than what it actually means. 
There are people in this town who abuse this message. They, they take the blood of Christ and they think this is my, my availability, my liberty to live however I want. I can say because Jesus is so nice, he's going to forgive. Right? That's not what the gospel message is about. What is the gospel message about? God can, can, can in addition to saving you from hell, he saves you from sin. And he wants to pour his spirit out in you as well. See, the spirit is not reserved for the pastor. The Spirit is for each and every one of you. That's the message. The, the message that's reiterated in the very first sermon that Peter preaches, we're going to look at that next week, the very first sermon is what? It's been fulfilled now. God's Spirit is poured out on all people. The kids and the old people, the young people, everybody. God's Spirit will be poured out on you because of what Christ has done. Now, a personal note for this third point. I, I, I want this. It, it, it's interesting because I, I mentioned this a moment ago. The Spirit of God, you, you, you will see this all through Acts, and I, I, I'm going to be honest, I'm, I'm hoping to learn more about it. I feel like I'm, I'm, I'm grabbing some new insights that I haven't ever quite picked up before already. Like, for example... All through the rest of the book of Acts, you see that, that people, when they're initially encountered, and this is the only time that it says the initial encounter, they were filled with the Spirit. After this, they're, they're baptized into the Spirit. They receive the Spirit. And these words are used very interchangeably, right? So we don't want to read too much of that. But what you do see is that people that have the Spirit have, been, have received the Spirit of God, who, what we would call, they're saved. You see occasions where people who already have the Spirit receive additional fillings of the Spirit. And, and you see them, just like the prophets of old, they receive the Spirit. It says they're filled with the Spirit, then, and they speak. So often Paul, it'll say, he was filled with the Spirit, and then he preached the Word. A person, that's what I want. I hope that's what you want. And what, what a difference it would make. I mean, there, there's a, a philosophy that I think bounces around a little bit where church is, it's almost like country club church, right? You pay your dues, right? Pay your dues, and you come to be entertained. Right? Give me a good sermon, give me some good music, give me exactly what I need, make it comfortable, right? Get Plan some stuff for me. And that's not what church is about. Church is about human beings filled, being filled with the Spirit of God and hearing the truth from God. Something supernatural happening. I hope that that's what you want. So I, I believe that. Man, God, that's what I want. There's been times where, uh, just to be honest with you, there's been times where I, I've sat here and I thought, you know, uh, where I've gotten done preaching and I thought... Man, that wasn't me. That wasn't me. And you may recognize it because if you talk to me on a regular basis, I'm not very eloquent at all. But even then, that's not what it's about. It's not about eloquence. It's about the Spirit, being filled with the Spirit. So that you're sitting here today, and instead of just hearing and walking away and going, that's pretty interesting. I learned some stuff. But actually walking away going, God was there. God was there. He spoke to me. God was in that church today. He spoke to me. 
Isn't this what you want? I try to make it match my other points, and so I put it this way. The, spirit, the message is spirit-filled. My original point I was going to put here, instead of trying to match it, I just wanted to put up there, I want this. I crave this. I desire this. I want to know more about what it means to be filled with the Spirit. Right now, I'm filled with cold medicine. You know, it's interesting, the word, that word filled uh, is it, used a lot in the Bible in completely non-spiritual context. There's times where it says, and the house is full of people. Same Greek word as saying, filled with the Spirit. There's, there's all kinds of usages of, of this particular word. I think I had another one. Oh, um, when, when there was a sponge that was filled up with this, this sour wine that was try, they tried to give to Christ when he was on the cross. It, that, the same word, when it says the sponge was filled up. So imagine a sponge going, right? You squeeze it and then it fills up. Same Greek word that's used here. When it said, in fact, the same tense of the word that's used here when it says these people were filled with the Spirit. So like a sponge, filling up all those little vacuous holes in them. And, and all those little vacuums are, it, now it's the Spirit of God. And they're saturated with it. It's dripping out. Man, don't you want that? Don't you want that? To be filled with the Spirit? In your everyday life, when you're at work, when you're at home, when you're at play, when you're with your spouse, when you're with your friends, when you're with your neighbors, to be filled, to be saturated with the Spirit of God. I don't think it's coincidence that later on when Paul is talking about drinking, he says, be not drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. I think there's a, this idea, I mean, so often that's what we want. We want to be filled up with something. Something exciting. Make us feel ecstatic, I mean, like exuberance. That's why we like adventurous type things to do. I mean, we want to fill full of this or fill full of this or fill full of this. And, and some people, frankly, that's where they go. They, they go into the chemical direction and they're filled with something that, that fulfilled. And Paul's saying, when he says, don't be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. There's something different that could fill up a human being. It's the Spirit of God. He's offering it to all of you. I want to encourage you as you go out of this church today, when you're walking through your daily life, to, to pray these sorts of prayers and say, God, I don't know if I know exactly what it means to be filled with the Spirit, but Lord, fill me up. You think these disciples had any idea what it meant to be filled with the Spirit before it happened? No. They're just waiting. God said, I'll fill you with the Spirit. And they said, okay, we're waiting. And he does it. I don't think they had any idea that they were going to, that by the end of the day, be walking out preaching and talking to people all over the city and, and, and tell, talking to them in languages that they didn't even know. I don't think they had any idea that was going to happen. And we can get caught up in like, well, what about the tongues asked? But listen, well, hey, we're going to talk about the book of Acts. We're going to talk about tongues all kinds of times later on. Okay, so if you've got questions about that, we'll get there. But in the meantime, understand this. These guys did not know what it meant to be filled with the Spirit. They just expectantly were hoping for it to happen. And then it did. And one of their main points from the very first sermon that he preaches is that this is not just for Peter. This is not just for James. It's not eventually just for Paul. He says for everybody that believes in the name of Jesus Christ. I hope one of the things that you walk out of here with today, because this is how I, this is this is where I'm at. I hope one of the things you walk out of here with is this realization that there's an un tapped potential 
that you might be missing out on. There's an untapped potential that you may be, you, in fact, I would say that you may go your whole life and never experience what this means, but man, do, you don't want that. This spirit that's promised to us, you may be going through life and just completely missing it. What could be different? I mean, I don't even think you can imagine what could be different. What could be different if you just, on a daily basis, just started saying, Lord, I don't know what this means, but Lord, fill me up with your spirit. Take me whatever direction that goes. Be filled with your spirit, whatever that means. Whatever that looks like. Whatever it may cause me to do. You may be getting filled with the spirit. You may have the same issue that they had. You may start talking and going and going on about Jesus and praising God. And, and, and somebody will look at you and go, are you drunk? I mean, that's what happened to them, isn't it? What is wrong with you? you this is not you at all. And you may even in that moment realize, this is it, I'm filled with the Spirit. I'm experiencing it right now. I'm talking about Jesus like I never thought I would. I'm full of Him. I'm ecstatic about Him. My, my thoughts are full. Like a, my brain feels like a sponge where the Spirit is just oozing out of it. That's all I can think about it. And I'm telling people about it. There may be an untapped spiritual potential that you might be missing out on. But understand it's been promised. And the prophecy said, it's for the young people, for the old people, for the men, for the women, for everybody. Not just the prophets. All of you are now going to be prophetic in nature, is what that prophecy is about. So I'm going to encourage you, I'm going to pray now. And one of the things that I want to pray is it's going to feel very generic because I just want, I'm going to pray that God would, this week, I want to pray that he'll fill you with the Spirit, but instead I think I want to pray that, that you would be motivated to say, Lord, that, that you yourself would be motivated to say, Lord, I want to be filled with the Spirit. And I'm going to pray that God would motivate you to stir up within you a desire to be filled with the Spirit and to, to take some times this week where you stop what you're doing and just go, Lord, whatever being filled with the Spirit is, I want that. I want that. Whatever that looks like, whatever that might mean for me, however it might shake up my life, Lord, I want that. I want to be filled with the Spirit. I, want to, I don't want to miss out on being filled with the Spirit. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, I just want to ask now, by the power of your Spirit, by all that you've done, claiming Christ as crucified and risen again on the cross, in his name, Lord, I pray that all in this room would be motivated, stirred up within them, that this week, as they go out through this week, that at some point this week, Lord, that they will get on their knees, if necessary, to say, Lord, what does it mean to be filled with the Spirit? I don't know. Lord, would you fill me with your Spirit? Lord, fill me with your spirit. Whatever that looks like. Whatever it means. Whatever it might point me in the direction of doing. Lord, please let me just experience being filled with the spirit of God. 
Let me experience the fulfillment of this prophecy. Let me experience the, the reality of, of the divine, supernatural God filling up like a sponge me as a human being. Lord, don't let me miss out on that. Lord, I pray as a church, I pray that today, Lord, as I've preached, Lord, I'm, I'm hoping, I'm praying that this sermon was filled with your spirit. That you're carrying those words directly into hearts and, 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 and opening up, making tender some thoughts and some ideas to, to stir up within them even now. Lord, I want you to fill with your spirit. I pray this once again in the name of Christ and all that he's done. In his name, amen.